good morning. Uh, welcome to Element Church and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Um, so excited that you're here to worship with us and uh, we feel honored by your presence this morning. Um, we are in a series walking through the letter of 2 Timothy in the New Testament. Uh, now, if you haven't been with us the first few weeks that we started talking about the letter, let me catch you up a little bit with what's taking place and um, what, what this letter is all about. Uh, you see, one of the greatest early Christian leaders of the first century was a guy named Paul, um, perhaps the most impactful uh, missionary and pastor um, that really Christianity has seen for the last 2,000 years. He traveled throughout the Roman Empire starting churches. Uh, once he would start a church in a town, he would lead it for just a little bit, kind of get it up and running. He would install some new leadership and new pastors in, in charge of the church, and then he would move on to the next town. Well, one of the towns that he visited and started a church was in the ancient city of Ephesus. And after spending about three years in the city of Ephesus, starting this church, uh, Paul places a guy named Timothy, this young pastor, um, to lead the church. And then Paul left and moved on to other cities con to continue starting other churches and to do other ministry works. And so over time, Paul begins to write letters to both the church and to this young pastor, Timothy, to provide some continued guidance and instruction, some challenges, some encouragement. And 2 Timothy is one of those letters. As you can imagine, it's the second letter that he wrote to this young pastor. And it just so happens that 2 Timothy is the last letter Paul will ever write before he dies. He is writing this letter from prison. He has been imprisoned in, the, in Rome and he is awaiting and actually in the middle of his trial before Caesar Nero. And what we know is that eventually um, Paul will be executed for his missionary efforts, for all the time that he has put into preaching about Jesus and starting new churches and seeing entire communities transformed from being local centers of economic trade and commerce to being local centers of spiritual vitality. And he gave his life for his work. And so in his final letter, uh, knowing that his life is coming near to, to an end, he writes this, this last letter to Timothy to give him some encouragement. Now, Timothy, as a young pastor, is dealing with some personal struggles. He's dealing with fear. He's dealing with uh, just being timid when he should be bold. And he's also um, just struggling with some self-doubt. Now, if you have ever experienced those feelings or thoughts or emotions, then there's a lot you can take from this letter. Now, there's a lot of things that you may not identify with, okay? You may not be a pastor and you may not be a male and you may not be young, but if you've ever dealt with fear or self-doubt or discouragement or uh, feelings of, of timidness when you should be bold and courageous, then Paul has a lot of things to share and to say to you. As he opens his letter, he just talks directly to Timothy to give him some encouragement and some challenge. And then in the second half of the letter, he goes on to give Timothy some practical advice about what he should do in certain circumstances and situations that he's dealing with in his church. And so if you wanna follow along with us this morning, the Bible app is a great way to do that. And so if you have the app already on your phone, you can just open it up, go to the events tab and uh, your phone will, will 
know that you're at Element Church already and pull it up, or you can scan this QR code. And some of the things that Roselle talked about just a few moments ago, like our prayer request form, our connection card, if you'd like to sign up for Vacation Bible School for your kids, all of those things can be done right from within the app. And so we are starting chapter two today. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to read through the 13 verses that we're gonna talk about today. We'll read through all of them. And then what we'll do, like we do most weeks, is we'll go back and break them up into smaller sections and analyze them. And so we're gonna start in 2 Timothy chapter two, verse one. Paul says this to Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. And so what Paul is doing here is really trying to set Timothy up for the recognition and the reality that he is going to face suffering and challenges in life and in his journey of ministry leadership. And Paul wants Timothy to know how to face it, but not only face it, how to endure it, how to embrace it, and how even to thrive within it. And so he begins, we're gonna go back and we're gonna break up what we just read into smaller sections, by Paul setting Timothy's feet on the foundation of the grace of God in Christ Jesus. It is the grace of God and only the grace of God that will be able to adequately strengthen Timothy for his journey ahead, for the challenges that he's going to face, for the suffering that is going to come his way in life. And by the grace of God, Timothy is supposed to set before him the priority of developing reproducing leaders. So verses one and two that we read just a minute ago, he says, you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The foundation from where our encouragement and our strength comes from. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That Timothy's goal is to develop reproducing leaders that he can pour into others who then can later pour into still others. This is exactly what Jesus taught us to do. In Matthew chapter 28, these are some of Jesus' most famous teachings um, right before he ascends to heaven. So these literally become Jesus' final words. 
And Jesus came to his disciples and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given, given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our task has, is to go and to make disciples. And so you may ask, what, what is a disciple? Well, Jesus gives us a few points here that help to clarify. One, a disciple is someone who's been baptized, which carries with it this idea that it's someone who believes in Jesus and has committed their life to following him. And so a disciple is someone who believes and follows. A disciple is someone who knows the teachings of Jesus. And a disciple is someone who lives in obedience, following the teachings of Jesus. And then Paul adds sort of this second element more explicitly here that a disciple is also someone who makes other disciples. And just as Paul said to Timothy that the foundation is the grace of God, we see this in Jesus's teachings too. As he provides his final word of encouragement, he says, I, I am gonna be with you through all of this. The grace of God in Christ Jesus is the foundation for our task of making disciples. So the foundation is the grace of God. The task is to develop reproducing disciples. So how do we go about doing it? So there are two ways in which you can apply Paul's teaching to Timothy that we're gonna talk about today. One of them and some of the advice he's going to give us in how we go about this task. How do we confront suffering? How do we move forward in the face of fear and self-doubt? And how do we accomplish the goal before us? You could apply this in two ways. Number one, you could apply this teaching to any goal that you have in your life. And so there may be something in your life that you're pursuing, and Paul's gonna have some very practical things for you to learn, to put into practice. You know, today being Mother's Day, as we celebrate and honor mothers and all of the work that they put into um, building up their children, this goes in line with what Paul is talking about here. When he talks about pouring into others and make reproducing leaders. He's talking about taking what you know, what you've learned, what you've experienced, pouring that into others with the hope that one day they will pour it on into someone else. It's exactly what mothers do, isn't it? They take their knowledge and their experience. They take their wisdom they take the lessons they've learned in life, the good ones and the hard lessons, and they pour those into their kids with the hope that one day their kids will put those into practice and that one day they'll also pass on those lessons to others. And so mothers, this is a word for you to be encouraged and challenged about how to go about the task and the responsibility of pouring into your kids. So you could take what Paul's going to teach and you could apply it to whatever it is that you're pursuing or whatever goal that you have before you. But the other way to apply it, and I think the way Paul mostly intends for us to apply it, is how we go about making disciples. It's good that you have goals for your life. That's appropriate. 
wise people set goals and pursue them. But at the end of the day, what God has called us to do is to take what we've learned and what we've experienced in our spiritual journeys and pour that into others to help them in their journey with the hopes that one day they would pass it along to someone else. And so Paul's gonna give us some very practical advice about what to do. The foundation is the grace of God. The task is to develop reproducing leaders, to pour into others so one day they can pour into others. And here's how to go about doing it. Verses three through six. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And it is a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So in very typical Paul fashion, he's gonna give us some analogies or word pictures to help us understand the point that he's trying to make. A soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Now, what do these three have in common? Well, one is all three of them devote their lives to something bigger than themselves. And all of them are willing to endure hardship and challenges and suffering to accomplish a greater goal. And so what Paul's going to tell us is that the way we endure challenges, the way we push through suffering, the way that we are going to accomplish a goal and not allow, allow our fear and our self-doubt and our timidity to hold us back is we're gonna stay focused just like a soldier. We're gonna chase a goal just like an athlete. And we're gonna work hard just like a farmer. Stay focused, chase the goal, work hard. If there's a goal in your life that you're pursuing, this is what Paul would say to you. Stay focused, chase the goal, work hard. Mothers, when it comes to your responsibility, here's what Paul would say to you. Stay focused, chase the goal, work hard. When it comes to making disciples, here's what Paul would tell us. Stay focused, chase the goal, work hard. So Paul has given us this picture or these pictures, and now he's going to tell Timothy exactly how he should go about doing this in developing, reproducing leaders and disciples. So we move on to verse eight, and Paul will tell Timothy, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. The offspring of David is preached in my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. This is how and upon what and whom Timothy is to stay focused. So why, why Jesus resurrected? Why is that our focus? Well, look at what Paul will say in another one of his letters. This was before he went to Rome and he's writing to the Christians who live in Rome in the letter of Romans. Paul will say this to that church. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. 
So when you're facing challenges and suffering, when things like fear and timidity and self-doubt seem to hold you back, when there's something, some, some purpose bigger than yourself that you want to pursue and give your life towards, Paul would say, remember Jesus risen from the dead because the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in you. The power that brought Jesus back to life lives in you. I think in many ways what Timothy, what Paul is telling Timothy is, hey Timothy, I know you're going through some tough stuff. I mean, Paul understands of anyone, he's in prison right now, about to be executed for his faith. And he says, listen, Timothy, I know it's hard. Let's, let's be honest, what's the worst suffering can do to you in this life? Kill you? Well, Jesus already took the sting away from that enemy. He's alive and so will you be. So there's really nothing that suffering can take from you because what it could potentially take, God has already defeated. Jesus gives us similar teaching. Now we're not gonna look at them this morning, but if you have the Bible app open, I listed several other scripture passages that speak to the same idea. That at the end of the day, what matters most is not just what happens to us in this life, but the next. And Jesus has already secured that for us. But we stay focused on Jesus resurrected because if the spirit that resurrected Jesus lives in you, man, what kind of power. The grace of God that you have access to by the spirit that he's given you. So then we move on to the next verse. And here's what Paul says. Speaking of this gospel, he says, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. The goal is the enduring word of God and its power to transform hearts and lives. And this can't be stopped. Paul says, look, we're chasing after this goal. And by every outside measure, it looks like I'm failing. I'm in prison bound with chains as a criminal. But while I may be bound, the word of God can never be bound. Paul writes another letter to a church in the ancient city of Philippi. Look what he says, speaking about his imprisonment there as well. So writing to this church, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's speaking about his imprisonment. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This is big picture thinking. Paul says, like an athlete, we're gonna chase the goal. And here from prison, his eyes are still on the goal. 
he is celebrating his imprisonment because the boldness that he has shown while in chains has encouraged others to preach the gospel with even more boldness. So for Paul, his imprisonment is actually serving the goal and to advance the cause. This is big picture thinking. This is the kind of thinking that an athlete has when they're chasing after a goal. That they'll endure challenges and suffering and pain and inconvenience for the pursuit of one end. Paul looks at his life and says, hey, these chains, these challenges, this suffering, it's all worth it because it's all moving us towards the goal. This is big picture thinking. You want to see even bigger picture thinking? The next verse. After celebrating how his boldness has given others more boldness, he says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. There are people who are preaching Christ with boldness and, sincer and sincerity, encouraged by the boldness of Paul in prison. And yet there are others who are preaching Christ for their own twisted desires to see Paul suffer even more. They are preaching Christ in an effort to stir up more anger by the Romans so they will inflict more pain and punishment on Paul. And Paul says, whether out of good motives or bad, I will celebrate that Christ is being preached. Now that's even bigger picture thinking. The fact that some are preaching the gospel for the sole purpose of making Paul's life miserable and yet in that he will rejoice because it's not about him, it's about the goal. It's about the goal of seeing the gospel, the word of God, this good news of Jesus resurrected that Paul seeks to be proclaimed throughout the Roman Empire. And if his suffering means that it's being done more and more and more, then he will celebrate in that. That is big picture thinking. That if we were all honest, we're not gonna take a survey in here, so you don't have to answer out loud. But if we were all honest, I don't know many of us who would be quite as positive as Paul. But this is what it looks like to be focused on a goal so that even suffering can bring rejoicing if you know the suffering is resulting in that goal being accomplished. And then let's look at the next thing that Paul will say to Timothy. So now we're on to verse 10. 
Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is that hard work of the farmer. Paul says, I will endure everything. So why do we work? Well, it's not because of our power, but because of God's faithfulness. I want to read from Isaiah chapter 55. Now, Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet that lived hundreds of years before Paul would write his letter and before Jesus would even walk this earth in the Old Testament. And reflecting on God's faithfulness and what he does, here's what Isaiah says. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word, this is God speaking, be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. A farmer works hard. A farmer does everything in their capabilities. But at the end of the day, the farmer doesn't really control what happens. The farmer doesn't control the rain. Yeah, through techniques, some ancient and some modern, water can be irrigated and spread throughout the crops. But at the end of the day, farmer doesn't control a drought. He doesn't control pests. He can do things to protect and to mitigate issues, but a farmer works hard knowing that the results are out of his control. And this in many ways is what Paul is communicating. That while we may be chained and held back, the word of God can't be bound. And when God's word goes out, it doesn't return to him empty. It accomplishes whatever purpose God had set for it. So Paul and Timothy faithfully preach God's word knowing that they don't control what happens when those words go out. That's God's business. When you're pouring into other people, when you're wanting to develop reproducing leaders and disciples, we work hard and we share God's word and know at the end of the day that we don't control the results. Moms, you pour in and you pour in and you pour in to your kids. You give them all the knowledge and wisdom you have You give them all the advice and you share all of your experiences. And at the end of the day, as anyone who's a parent knows, you don't control the results. But God didn't ask us to control the results. God asked us to be like the farmer who works hard, 
who does everything that's within their powers and then trusts God with the rest. God calls us to be like that athlete who pursues one goal, to win, to win the crown or the medal or the trophy. And like a soldier, we stay focused because there's only one that we're trying to please. There's only one commander that we're serving. There's only one objective or mission that we're trying to accomplish. One of the hard things about being a parent is that you don't control the results. But you give and you give and you give and you give. And then at the end of the day, we trust the Lord for the results. And then here's how Paul closes at least this section um, of this part of the letter to Timothy. He says, this saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. And here's the key phrase to this little section, for he cannot deny himself. God is faithful to himself, his character, and his promises. God is faithful to himself and his character and his promises. We do what God has asked of us, and then we trust the Lord to do what he has promised to do, what he has committed to do. So whether it's a personal goal in your life, whether it's the task of parenting and mothering, or whether it's building and developing, reproducing disciples, we are called to be faithful to what God has asked us to do and then to trust him to be faithful to do what he has said he would do. So mothers, stay focused, chase the goal. The goal being developing healthy, functional, Jesus-loving adults. The goal of parenting, as we've talked about multiple times at Element, is to not raise good kids, it's to raise good adults. Stay focused, chase the goal, work hard, and know that God is faithful. That in the midst of your strengths and your weaknesses, in the midst of the things that you do right and the things that you do wrong, God is faithful. When you're discouraged or frustrated because you can't control the results, remember that God is faithful. Remember, God is faithful. Let's pray. Lord, what we celebrate more than anything this morning is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness that you will do what you said you are going to do and that we can trust you in it. Lord, I... I just ask that you would both challenge and encourage all of us this morning.
to stay focused and not allow all of the things of this life to distract us from what matters most. Lord, that we would pursue the goal that you've put before us to be the kind of parents that you've called us to be, to pour into the spiritual lives of others and and to make more disciples. And Lord, that we, you would help us work hard to recognize that anything worth pursuing in this life is not easy. Lord, I also ask that this morning you would just provide extra encouragement to the mothers. That even when they don't see the results or they get discouraged because they can't control the results, Lord, that you'd be extra gracious with them to trust you. To trust you because you are faithful. Lord, we worship you now because you are faithful. I'm gonna ask you to keep your eyes closed for just a moment. And we're entering into the time of the service every week that uh, we set aside as a response time. A time to respond to who God is and the ways in which he's moving and speaking. To celebrate God's faithfulness. And so this morning, I want you to respond just however you feel like God is leading you. If you just want to stay in your seat and pray, you do that. If you want to stand and sing about God's faithfulness and celebrate him, then you do that. Our communion table is available in the back for you to take of the bread and the cup as a way to remember Jesus resurrected. And we remember him resurrected because before he rose from the grave, he was put into the grave because he died on the cross for us. And the bread and the cup remind us of his broken body and his poured out blood for us. So if you wanna make that a part of your worship response this morning, we invite you to the table. Lord, would you be honored by the way in which we respond to you this morning? We celebrate your faithfulness.